Hi, I'm Roshni. And I'm Dion. Welcome to the In Life Podcast. Where we try to figure out life together. A long time no chat. How are you? Dude. <laughs> what? Dude. <laughs> I like sprained my lower back yesterday. Why? How? Uh, I was just being careless while deadlifting. No, dude. It it was like, um, I think I've realized, you know, as you get older, <laughs> the body is just more stiff. Sure. You got to like warm up a lot longer than you did before. And there's some days I knew it too. There are just some days where you, you listen to your body and you're like, Ooh, kind of, cause you, you're just at your desk all day working and then you get up and you go to the gym, AKA downstairs in my garage. And it's like, Ooh, I'm not, I'm not loosened up yet. Um, but I've been making such good progress and my body's been feeling good and I haven't been that sore. I've been doing like a proper, like two on one off kind of thing. And I just, it was just stiff and it wasn't, I don't think I was like rounding my back. Mm. I think it was more like I was adjusting my form idiotically mid lift. Oh, like mid, um, mid set. Um, and I do my reps fairly fast and wait do you think it was like on the up you were adjusting yeah 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 (gasps) and um I mean luckily I just like instantly dropped the barbell but I was like stuck semi hunch over for a little bit not because I had to be but because I was like assessing the situation like am I dead or am I not because wait were you there this was back when back in the office in San Mateo, I had like actually um, thrown out my back. You know the story? No. I was, this was like years ago and we went to Oakland um, to see Kathleen's family. And her mom was like in the front yard moving this giant potted tree. Oh God. And I was like, oh, I should be a good boyfriend. Yeah. Like, oh, I I got got it. Like, move aside. I got this. And it like wasn't, it it wasn't centered. So as I started moving, it started tipping over. And I was like, well, I'm certainly not going to like have their family potted tree tip over in front of her mother. So I like, I like not lunge forward, but I basically like lean forward to save it. Pull it back. Oh, and literally, no. it's Wait. like on TV. There was like a, oh, I couldn't even, at least it felt like it sounded like, it sounded like it felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and Kathleen instantly was like, what happened? And I was like, I think I threw out my back. And I was, Where are you right now? Are you I'm holding like in a semi squatted position? Holy shit. And I could not move. She's like, just uh, sit down. I'm like, I can't. They bring this chair. Like, just sit on the chair. I'm like, I don't think I can move. So I end up basically having to tip over 
and just like lie on my back on the floor for like oh hours. Oh my god. Anyways, hours, 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 and they iced it, and I went to like a chiropractor. Uh, and yeah. they were like, we thought she was marrying this like fit <laughs> young thing. <laughs> was like, I can't even carry the tree. Why was it even carrying it? I was just like moving it, but it was so uneven. It's a freaking tree, dude. That it just yeah, yeah. Over. But anyways, Damn. so yeah, dude, you have those belts. You know those belts no. that like support. Are you gonna get one now? Nah, no, no. Oh, you're not at that stage. You're okay. I don't think I'll ever get to a point where i'll i will like need that i see like i'm I'm sure it's good for you and your stability and stuff but yeah i'd like to do them without you know because I, I feel like there is this aspect of like when you lift heavy and you wear gloves like yeah. lifting gloves so that you don't get calluses that's great but the gloves give you like this grip and this friction that you normally wouldn't have and so i feel like you're taking away from your forearm strength yeah 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 anyways I see. yeah i'll never i'll never be like yeah let me squat three plates and you know wear all this stuff but um damn i'm sorry dude yeah so it's been it's been rough yeah, yeah. so how has the rest of the two weeks been <laughs> this was like yesterday it's been great it's been great yeah this was literally like yesterday night yeah damn wow good to see you it feels like i haven't talked to you in forever that's very weird i think i've gotten very used to talking to you for so, so yeah. oh I'm, I'm vaccinated oh my god fully vaxxed baby let's go Easy. nice but how I was your my... second day really yeah i felt i didn't feel as bad as most people say they feel but everything was just like, I felt like my eyes were half squinting the whole day. Oh, totally. Yeah. Me too. I couldn't even stay awake. I, like, slept so yeah. much of the second day. Yeah, it was weird. First day, though, I was fine. First day, I was like, hmm. Yeah, same. Like, no thing. And then the next morning, I wake up. I put on my workout clothes. And I'm like, uh-oh. I can't get out of bed anymore. <laughs> I just got to uh, keep sleeping. Yeah, that was rough. Um, I learned a lot about myself this last uh, two weeks. Yeah, tell me. I, so the first day I got there was Friday night and I met two, one person completely new and another person was like, I've met her before, but not talked a lot. And what? I realized my, like my friend's roommates, I met her roommates. Oh, okay. One of them I'd never met before. The other one I'd seen her a few times. Anyways, I get there and I realize my filter for like anything is completely gone because I've only been interacting with like my family, like three of my closest friends and talking to you all on the phone where like my threshold is like, oh, these are my closer friends. I don't need to be having a filter. Mm. And so I get there and it literally felt like I was on some drugs. Like I was just performing. It felt like I was on a stand-up stage, like going on and on. And my friend who's a really good friend of mine, she was like just like baffled. She was just like laughing at all the things I was saying, but like, are you good? Like why are you sharing all this stuff right now? Like this is not necessary. And so then you know, I was just like, some of this stuff I think is funny, but like not on a first person intro situation. Right. Like I was going into this thing of like, imagine for context, these are all med school students. And so I came in 
and was like, you know what, guys, what if LeBron came up to you and was like, you want to join my entourage? Would you be down? Like, you would just have to go travel with him everywhere and just be his friend. Does that sound appealing to you? And like me really pitching that. And then later, my friend was like, <laughs> why? <laughs> like, why in the first hour? <laughs> oh, no. And so then I was like, yeah, yeah, it really does feel like I'm on one. Then, then I met some of her new other friends like three to four days later. And I was like, oh, finally, I got some like, you know, filter, like, here's some normal things to ask, you know, on the first time of meeting someone. And then we met like, it was so interesting meeting new people more. I met like five new people. It was a lot. Then I, then I was like, feeling really excited because I felt like I got a lot of positive feedback on me, you know, getting a lot of laughs. People were finding me very funny, I felt. So I was like getting a lot of energy to move to New York. Um, but that's not to say maybe I should keep my filter a little bit lower because I feel like I got people would be like, oh, she's kind of weird. But like it was funny is the read I was getting. Mm. You know what I mean? Rather than if I'm too normal, it's like not memorable. But I was like, just weird enough to be like, she's Dion. I talk so much about the NBA so much. (laughs) Nobody had any interest. Nobody (laughs) is interested. There was a question posed of like, oh, what is your ideal height for a guy? Because this one guy was saying like, oh, I went on a date with this girl who's 5'1". And I was like, oh, my God, that's so short. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't know that there was any rules. And they're like, "Okay, what about you? And then I was like, yeah, I guess like 5'11 to infinity. And then they say, what? And then I say, (laughs) (laughs) allow me just give me a 10 minute rant and so then I go on about the NBA and like how basketball players are the best and I want to like court these basketball players but realistically it's not going to work because their egos are no you did not say that Dion I'm not kidding I met two of these people for the first time the third person like I know him kind of but not very well it was like a six seven minute rant then I say you know what actually so then we start talking about careers like a great conversation you know pretty normal I was like, how come you guys like emergency medicine? That's what they're trying to get into. And they're like, oh, what about you? Let's go. I'm going into nonprofit. And they're like, oh, you know, like one thing that's kind of scary about being in medicine is in 10 years, you know exactly what your like your career is going to look like. And that can be scary. Like pivoting is really hard. And like, why would you pivot after spending so much money on a career? And then, and then they're like, you know, even though it's scary to pivot, it's cool that you have that. It's scary in its own way, but cool that you can change. And I was like, yeah, you're totally right. You know, like I want to join a nonprofit and then maybe join the NBA data analytics team because, you know, I'm like pretty good at numbers and just imagine this, like you're sitting next to Kelly Oubre Jr. And you're just telling him and they're like, <laughs> thank God they thought it was funny. Otherwise they'd be like, what on earth? And I was telling my good friend, I was like, I don't care. Like, I'm probably not going to meet any of these people ever again. I'm just gonna go in and she's like yeah but I will like every week and every day I'm seeing these people and I was like yeah yeah let me tone it down a bit and then I mean and then on top of this I am very lightweight now so I drink about half a beer and then I'm going on and on about NBA (laughs) look up Kelly Oubre Jr (sighs) Matisse Tybal like check out all these people and then this guy brings up Dennis Schroeder and I was like oh my god I know that guy in the LA Lakers that guy has a lot of cars he's from Europe somewhere anyways I was just like on one it was very insane but but in in some I say excited to move and excited to meet some new people because I really missed it I gotta say if I didn't know you and I met you for the first time (laughs) yeah 
and you're saying how, yeah, you just really want to court an NBA player. I would, li- I don't, we talked about this, right? The, um, the posse of women. Like the NBA baby out. mamas. Bless yeah, that yeah. I didn't bring that up. I didn't bring that up. I was just like, I would love to be in a relationship with one of these men in a oh. loving, caring relationship. Yeah. I didn't want, you know, I'd be a little bit, I'm, and that's not even the route that I want to go down. But. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. Logistically is the only thing that's holding you back, right? right. Like, oh, Literally. you don't want to date them because the ego is too big. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's the only thing. Other than that, I'd be like right there with them. What's up? Wiggins, I guess Wiggins is the only single one on the Warriors. What are you thinking? Yeah, what what kind of impression? Also, if you're any of those people I met for, because then- Oh my god! Then there no, were no, like, you did not. Yeah, no, I didn't volunteer it. It was known because my good friend listens to my podcast, and she had told her good friend, and so he was like, "Oh, I hear you have a podcast," and I was like, feeling shy, and I was also a little bit drunk, and I was like, "Oh my god, I don't know what to do." And I was like, "Oh yeah, 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 here it is." Nobody, I don't think anybody's listening. If you are, though, hello. Here's all the insider information. Yeah, shoot us an email. <laughs> shoot us an email but also here's all the insider information of what was going through my mind as we were all interacting yeah. how weird roshni what's the email again oh god rip in life podcast at gmail.com <gasps> it was just so funny i feel like it was a very strange so many new social environments that i haven't been in in the past year and a half you know what i mean new friends having some banter it's wild you probably so you probably need to have like a filter, but you probably still need to retain that energy. That I agree. enthusiasm, you know? I yeah. can't even, it must be literally, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, mm-hmm. going from a year and a half of social isolation in a pandemic to moving to New York City mm-hmm. is probably... darkest difference yes absolutely totally thank god though after this experience i was like oh this is something i'm craving not like oh my gosh this was like very overwhelming and i don't want to interact with people ever again it was Mm -hmm. like oh this was really fun and i would be down to do this many more times at a larger scale yeah see i'm like fairly extroverted Uh and i kind of have this fear Mm -hmm. that if if we swapped positions and i was in your shoes yeah. I would hate it. Yeah. Which means like, is there any hope for me coming out of this? Yeah, there definitely is. How, when was the last time you met someone new? Not yet, right? Not in yet. person? Yeah, in person. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even tell you, honestly. Like in a non... Even before setting. that though, like even before that, can you even remember? Like... To be honest, I didn't meaningfully interact with a lot of new people before the pandemic started. Yeah, I I think like the better question is when were you ever in a situation where not that you like you just met someone new, but that the majority of people around you, you didn't know and you had to meet. Totally. Because like if you're at work and you've been there for multiple years and a new person joins... You don't Whatever. really feel like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. You're like, yeah. oh, let me welcome this person into my hu- into my house. Correct. You know, Correct. it's a totally different thing than if you show up at college first day. Nobody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It did honestly feel a little bit like that, but I felt like I had an in, I felt immediate comfort because my good friend was there and she was like, this is a cool person and these are my cool people. Right. But it, it was it was a, a lot of new interaction. And so before one of the nights when we went out to dinner, I was talking to her and I was like, you know, I'm like pretty tired. 
I don't know. I think I'm going to be pretty shy tonight. She's like, okay, why? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just like tired of meeting like four new people. That's a lot. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And then of course I go in and like rant about the NBA and like you give a 10 minute monologue about impact versus wealth. Like <sighs> I thought you were tired. I know. She's like, are you sure? Like you're tired, huh? That's what happens when you're tired. Um, yeah, that was, uh, it was okay. Here's another interesting dynamic. We, majority of these people are medical school students. And so naturally they will talk about med school things. And so in the early parts of the conversation, I was like, how do I navigate this so that we can talk about things we all know rather Mm -hmm. than like, you know, emergent, like obviously the rotations are top of their mind and they should have a place to talk about it. But then eventually Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk, you know, I'm feeling not (laughs) tired anymore. (laughs) I'm feeling like I'm ready to mingle. Um, And I don't know. I, that we made up. It was like funny in the second part because I brought this game called The Mind. Have I told you about The Mind? Okay, we'll have to play it sometime. Anyways, I brought it to play because I was like, this is what we can use when everybody starts talking about med school things. We can be like, no, no, it's time yeah. to play the game and then diffuse. And then everybody talks about different things. And also, they were amazing and nice and like would talk about non med school things. But like on top of the thing of meeting new people, just they have like such a shared history in career in like interests that you also have to transcend that it's like not just like because we would probably talk about work in so far as here are some people that we work with this is what they're up to but not like oh this data set like getting into that but they could talk about that they would be like specific about what parts of emergency medicine they are interested in or this is the case that they saw and uh that could but did they know did they all know each other they all knew each other, yeah. Uh, and so you were the only person they didn't know? Correct. I wow. was the only person they didn't know. Yeah, yeah. So it did feel like, honestly, at times that I was performing. Not performing, but, like, I was the new thing. So they mm-hmm. would all ask me questions about, like, what are you doing with your career? And, like, right. what did you think about this? Or, like, how right. did you both meet? Those kinds of things. Um which then I was like, yeah, I'm 100% down. Looks like I'm really just into meeting new people and going on monologues about my interests. So, um, yeah, I wonder what the, if you met me in this past week, let me know what you thought. Oh, I also made this joke of like, I'm, you know, this is new. I haven't interacted with a lot of new people recently. So just let me know how this is going, you know? Just give me a checkpoint in the middle. Like, is this weird? And then they were laughing and like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Which I think, you know, that could have gone really poorly when they'd be like, yeah. Please. Did they laugh and then not say anything? No, they played along. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll let you know. Not oh, going to okay, give the okay. results now, but, you know, check, halfway through, we'll give you a checkpoint on if this is still uh, going well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I just got fortunate that they were all wow. those people. I know. That's good, though. You got to get your reps now, you know? Right? Then afterwards, I was like, yeah, like now coming home, I'm like, Ban- I just want to interact with some new people, you know, make some new yeah. friends, have some interesting new banter. But uh, here we are. Yeah. I guess my only worry is like, yeah. stereotypically, New Yorkers, you know, look, it's I don't know, I'm nice. a West Coast very elitist. Yeah. I don't yeah. know anything about the big, big Apple people. Totally. But word is they're like rude yeah they're not they're not into meeting new people no i don't know which is insane yeah yeah i know uh also because many 
not many, but more than I'm used to, random people started talking to me while I was there. Mm. Some of them were like unsolicited um, advances. And I was like, this is, I'm very uncomfortable and I'm scared. I mean, not scared, but like, just don't talk to me. You know when, oh, no. I'm not sure if you experienced this. <laughs> like you're walking uh, in the park? No, I was like at, working out. And then this man came up to me and was talking to me about hiking this hike together. And I was like, no. Like I'm working out. I had my headphones in. Thank God I had that weight. I just like throw that at him if he tried to. Wait. Oh my God. Wait, we should actually talk about this because I talked to Franny and Andrew about this of how many times on average do you think you get approached by someone that you're interested, like a woman for in their scenario, like as in advance. And they were like, never, like once. Never. Yeah. And they would, I think it happens. It happens like not that much for me during the pandemic. I don't think it happened at all during the pandemic. But then once I went to LA, it happened like two times. And I was like, this is insane. Like I, w- I was feeling really, I- honestly, I felt pretty unsafe because I was so unused to it. And I didn't know, like, I think I'd lost my threshold of like, yeah. when are people going to just stay away versus like continue to talk to me? And I don't want, I'm alone. Like, I don't want you to right. continue to talk to me. Um, what? So does that never happen? Yeah. Have you not had this like, Okay, yeah. What ha- what has happened to you similar to that? Has that okay. ever happened to you? Uh, I think the answer would be never. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I'd say like one. SoCal is a tad different. Wait, this happened in SoCal. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Yeah. SoCal is a tad different. You know what I yeah. mean? Very different than NorCal. So I can see this happening more often. Second, like you are a female. You're a heterosexual female. I'm a heterosexual male. Yeah. Um, and I think like the male approaching female thing is way more common. Than the female approaching male. Yeah. And I guess I could see it happening more often at a gym, right? Yeah. With people who have some interest or care about fitness, potentially single, shoot your shot. Yeah. You know, like, well, so here's what I think is interesting is, uh, well, first of all, in that scenario, I was like at a park. Yeah. I actually think I pre- felt pretty unsafe to be honest because I was like I'm not sure if this person is going to continue to talk to me and if so there's like very few people around me that I would be uh-huh. able to like fend for my you know I was like having uh-huh. all those thoughts but the second one was when I had gone out to get food and I had my airpods in my mask is on like I'm I'm standing by myself waiting for my food and then this man came up to me and I was talking about my like I looked nice and was commenting on that and like I had my headphones in and so I didn't really register so I was like no like I was just kind of not like shaking my head and like I didn't know how to respond in that scenario it was fine because he was just walking by and was I mean I don't know how fine that is I didn't really enjoy being observed like that but he was just walking by and I was just standing waiting for my food and there's a ton of people around um but that was a strain. That's something I haven't experienced in a long time, for sure. Also, because recently, like in this past year, if I go out, most of the time, it's either with my sister or my parents. Mm-hmm. And so nobody's going to talk to me when I'm with my parents, right? Like they're mm-hmm. going to see an older man or woman next to me. They're not going to be like, this is someone I can like now tell that they're like, shoes are cool or something like. Right. But the, the a scenario I brought up to Andrew and Franny was because I just come back from DC. I guess it usually happens when I'm traveling I'm not sure why I rarely happen in San Francisco I think when I would be by myself hmm. but when I was in DC I was walking and this man was walking towards me and my two friends and he was like hey can I take you out to dinner to me and I said uh what 
And he was like, can I take you out to dinner? And I said, I'm not from here. And he said, can I take you out tomorrow night to Georgetown? And I said, no, no, I'm not from here. And then I walked away and I was feeling really strange. But I think from the pandemic, I've just felt more and more like unsafe in those circumstances than flattered. Like, I think I pretty rarely feel flattered. I usually feel like a little bit scared. I would say like the vast majority of people probably don't feel flattered in those situations. Totally, they feel yeah. like yeah weird I, I would say like especially if it's just on the street at random totally yeah I feel like if there was um like in a gym for example I can see that being more of like a socially acceptable thing you know yeah, yeah. um that is so bizarre though yeah the disparity is really interesting because like all three of you are good looking guys, you know, go to the gym, do all these things, take care of yourselves, like look nice, like present yourselves well. Um, but I think women rarely do that to men. Very, very, very rarely, if right. ever. Like I've never done that to anyone before. So this is like, I mean, we're just getting real deep. Yeah. This is yeah. like another really interesting thing where um, I think most women, whether it's at the gym or it's like in public. I mean, certainly in public because the people that approach you, I think you instantly think you're a creeper, you're a perv, mm-hmm. you're weird, maybe socially awkward. In the gym, maybe a little less so, but I think most people still wouldn't want that. Yeah. I would say, like, if you were to take a poll yeah. of like 100 men, 100 women, and if someone approached, someone of like the, the gender that they're sexually attracted to approach them, I would almost say like men are probably like X times more likely to say, oh yeah, I would be flattered by that. Or, oh. oh yeah, I'd, I'd like that. I mean, I might not say yes, but like, oh, I wouldn't feel unsafe or weird or, or yeah, whatever. creeped out. Yeah. Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah. a lot of women would probably say like, oh yeah, like I get it. We're in a gym, but like, don't look at me like that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Totally. I think yeah. it's just fascinating, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, it's totally like a power thing, right? Like, if right. I say no, they need to be a good person to be, to respect that. Right. And some, like, that's not an easy assumption to make with people you don't know at all, right? Like, right. I, I will, if I say no, they have more power over me than I can exert over them. Right. If some situation happens, I need to do that. I think that's a huge part. Like how much will my no be accepted or like, so oftentimes I just feign, like I can't hear it. Like I couldn't right. hear what they said or like, I'll just keep walking. Like I didn't address it at all because I think in those scenarios, it could be like, Oh, well, she didn't even, you know, she didn't really reject me. She just didn't even hear me. Right. I'm not even sure if I consciously even knew I did that until I said that just now, but usually that's what I do. I'll just like continue walking. Like don't make eye contact uh, or like look at my phone some more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the thing of like, if I say no, will they respect that I said no? Um, which is, and then wow. I also thought pandemic would have like thrown a wrench in all of this. Like, can I just, mm-hmm. what if I had COVID? Like, don't even come near me. Like, don't come even six feet, but no, right. it doesn't. Like everybody's I, I, like, <laughs> I think it doesn't me. because I mean, generally I feel like there's a small subset of people who actually do that. Actually, I don't even know if that's true. I think in the bear. Wait, have you ever done this? Have you ever done this to like a random person? 
Okay, at like a party, someone you meet for the first time, is that like absolutely some, not? Not even that. You'd have to know them if, before saying anything like that. Well, okay, I let's like delineate between two different. Yeah, things. yeah. In one situation where someone comes up to you and comments on your appearance, that's kind of like catcalling. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's like a whole a spectrum, but totally. it's basically like judging you based on your appearance. The other is like if you're at a party, you're at the gym. And you inquire about going out with someone. Like, yeah. I think it might be weird for a lot of people, but like, that's essentially how random people met each other. Get together. Yeah. I actually think my response, yeah, my response to that would be a little bit more like open to it, especially right. if I was like, oh, maybe like we both go to right. the same gym, like way more than them being like, oh, you're arms look jacked like that's not even what they would say right like they would never say that let's be real but that, I mean, if they were to say that i'd be like i hate that that's something you're you can't don't observe right. me like that in the gym right. um but if they were to say something like oh like can i take you out to dinner right. like do you want to get coffee or something sure yeah. want to get a smoothie after a workout yes. oh that's a great one oh. that's so great so I non-threatening there's probably a cafe like right here in the yeah. gym totally no problem i think um for me personally yeah i wouldn't and that's normally just because one i'm not single yeah the last time i was single my freshman year in college yeah so it's not like i'm a high schooler first of all i didn't even work out in high school like i don't know yeah like this whole fitness culture really has like started early nowadays but like back then it was like paying for a gym no like why we have sports at school yeah i would have just never done that yeah um uh so it's like i i just didn't have many opportunities to i guess Mm -hmm. but just knowing my personality i probably wouldn't either yeah i think especially nowadays because of the whole like pc culture yeah that being said like i think in there are like acceptable situations where it's kind of natural to do that. Yeah. And I can see it totally happening with like many single friends that I know. Totally. Um, yeah. But to your point around like, shouldn't the pandemic have X, Y, and Z? I think it's the opposite because I think the subset of people in the world that would have done that in the first place are single, probably, hopefully. Um, yeah. And are either more forward mm-hmm. or they're just like socially awkward and they're creepers mm-hmm. and in the past year and a half of a pandemic they've they've probably needed more yeah stimuli totally or like they haven't had the outlets of going to a club or a bar and just like right. talking to many people there exactly like now just like anybody i see yeah exactly yeah. i agree i think so too I'm curious though, like I was trying to think about why it happened pretty frequently in LA. Like that is a lot, that has not happened to me a lot generally, but even in like metropolitan areas like San Francisco, like it wouldn't happen as that frequently at all. Like I can only think of maybe once or twice that it happened to me in like two years that I lived there. Hmm. Um, And I think one of them is the largest product of me being by myself. Like I was not me being by myself and I guess my airpods not visible I'm not sure like I thought headphones were also like a pretty clear signal of like this person is doing their own thing but I realized that 
yeah I don't know like when in, in San Francisco I probably was like on a commute with people who are li- like me and like not really trying to talk to anybody too right and those are m- primarily times I was by myself all other times I was probably like with people doing something or like right. taking a walk with Maddie or like you know just doing something not not necessarily like waiting for my I don't know but I still would have like what does that mean I of course would have gone and eaten something by myself like I definitely did that when I was in San Francisco and these types um, of things would happen to me I guess it's like in a lot of these situations like you I, I think it just comes down to like they're the type of person that would be more likely to do something like this like wouldn't really care for example if you had your pod yeah, yeah i mean like they're just gonna yeah, shoot gonna their say it. yeah exactly. yeah yeah, yeah so, totally. um, i don't know yeah I, I definitely do feel like just stereotypically it would happen in socal la yeah right? <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah yeah i don't know we I'm need curious, like a socal yeah. native Chat, yeah if you're a socal native please chime in yeah i'm not sure and, and like maybe also my memory is not i just know for sure in this past year and a half nothing has happened because i've been with family or like exactly. people i'm close to like of course i'm not and i'm not interacting with a lot of new people anyway so right. why would it ever happen um anyways another thing after that i talked a lot with people about was the stereotype threat thing that we talked about of like seeing people who look like you in positions of power and so i've been learning a lot about that and i want to tell you some things remember when i said when you're on a bus and you count you meaning i count the number of indian people on the bus this is actually a thing. Like I read about it in the book and they were saying there's something called critical mass. And mm. so they'd done studies on like, if you're a POC and you see a brochure of a company, you will count the number of people who are like you or like people of color in the brochure to evaluate whether you'd want to join and whether you trust their diversity um, more so than them writing like color doesn't matter or like diversity is a huge pillar of our whatever like you just look for actual evidence like in these pictures that I've seen are there people who look like me and is that number enough for me to go in there and then be like okay like I feel comfortable to be myself and not think this stereotype is going to get perpetuated because nobody looks like me or we're still a minority um so they call that number where you think it's comfort now a critical mass um and I definitely do this I fully do this, not even on the bus, but like at work, just because I would know how many like women in power are brown or minority. Like I would count and I would have an idea in my head. And then that would give me an idea of like, this is a problem that's systemic to our culture, or this is something that doesn't actually matter because there are a lot of women of color in positions of power. So that means I can do it too. So I don't really feel like that's a threat here. Um, yeah, so that's the first thing. That's a real thing, this counting mm-hmm. thing. So what is it called? Critical mass. So like you try to count as many people who look like you or who fit right. your identity to meet critical mass. And these people are your identity mates is what they call them. So like, people uh, who okay. fit. Yeah. so again, it's not like for me, it is brown women or like minority women. But for other people, it could be different things. Like I, it depends on what situation you're in. Uh, it just like whatever identity you feel like sometimes is that threat. That's like what you're trying to look out for when you're joining a new, a new place. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I, I have questions. Yeah, yeah. So when you're doing that, like, are you identifying in your case, like brown women as threats or as like 
comfort yeah good question in the midst of threats or both yeah no it's all it's for me it's comfort and i think that's what this is trying to get at of like in a situation they did studies of like if i'm a brown woman only brown woman in a class of all males uh in like a computer science class Mm -hmm. i will feel threatened because i don't think i can perform as well as men because that's what society says in like Mm -hmm. stem courses women can't so i'll perpetuate that my grades will fall like all that will happen however if i'm in a class where there's three other brown women that makes me feel better for me particularly this is like my critical mass number that makes me feel better because there's three other women who i can like be comrades with and they can help me through it's not enough for me though to remove the threat it's actually like it's us against the threat it's us Mm -hmm. against all these men and so maybe my grades will be better just by the fact of like I have other people to talk to about these things and to like discuss problems without feeling stupid but then the critical mass is actually like for me I think would be like I don't know maybe 30 percent of the class looks someone like me then I don't even think about my identity anymore. I can start thinking about like what I'm performing as in the class. Like if I see enough people around me that I'm like, oh, this class already thinks that like women and men are equal or like brown women can do this thing. So I don't even need to think about that threat anymore. I'm just performing. And if I fail, it means like I just need to try harder get more resources or work in a group. It doesn't mean that I'm like a brown woman and that's why I'm failing. So I think there's like layers to it. Like if you reach critical mass, ideally your identity is not even at threat. So you don't even like think about it anymore as you're trying to perform. But Mm -hmm. in the lower situation, it's like, you're my comrade now. And like, we're against this thing that's still happening to us. And we would probably talk about it and say, I can't believe this is still happening. But are you, the other thing around like counting, for example, Mm -hmm. like, are you actually counting? Um, Or are you just like noticing? Yeah, I don't know what the, I I don't know, like, if, if you were to ask me how granular I actually got, but I think it is really nuanced, because it's not a number that sudden, like, if it's 39 women, brown women in my class versus 40, it's not like suddenly my identity threat turns off. Like, I don't think I actually count completely. Right. But I think that it's more of like a feeling of like, oh, this is enough for me in this setting to feel comfortable that my identity is no longer a threat. Hmm. Cause so I think like after, literally after we talked about it, yeah, started thinking about it more and yeah. I realized I kind of do it. Okay. But less from the standpoint of like, oh, I'm, I'm counting or whatever. And more from like, I'll just notice. Yeah. Like going on a, I mean, I haven't been on a bus in a long time. Yeah. But if I were to, it would be like, I don't even see anyone else, but other Asian men. Yeah. And it's not until like I pause and I stop that I'm just like, oh yeah, there are other people on this bus. Yeah. 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 So that's interesting. Do you think in that scenario, it's like, there are so many Asian men. Okay. So in this bus situation for you, do you feel like I'm noticing the Asian men and that's making me feel comforted? I'm noticing these Asian men and it's the only thing I notice, so I'm not really changing how I act or like what do you think it translates into how comfortable you feel in that setting? I don't think it's around comfort. Like I don't I don't see them and I feel like oh I'm at ease you know? Oh, interesting. Okay. 
granted i guess it's like it's different than if you're on a bus versus like it's your first day of college and i know bus um, is like a pretty non yeah uh, i guess like a better way to be like yeah first day of college you're meeting the people on your floor yeah maybe i i mean i guess yeah just naturally i'd gravitate towards like oh look there's another asian person yeah maybe i would have higher chances of befriending that person yeah 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 well so this book is mostly about scenarios where it affects your academic and professional performance Mm -hmm. so in a situation of work how do you think it translates? Because the theory behind this is that it translates to lower performance unless you do things to kind of make yourself realize that this is how you are feeling about your identity and like what you represent and then take like systemic measures as well as your own measures to kind of alleviate it. But Mm -hmm. at work, how would you feel? Given that you are an Asian male and Asian males are like pretty majority in a lot of uh, tech companies in the Bay Area. Yeah. That's true. Um... Yeah, but I don't, except not in all leadership, I would say. I don't think all leadership reflects that. Correct. That's very yeah. uh maybe like non-technical leadership. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel yeah. like in technical leadership, that's like the norm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I feel like uh my per- my perspective on this or like where it influences me is almost like strictly in regards to socially. Okay. Like work-wise I don't I don't know I just don't see it like I don't really for example it took me a long time to realize I was the only Asian person on my team my current team um I just didn't actually it only really fully hit me when a lot of the Asian hate was going on yeah I guess still is but then there's you know the whole social movements and social media stuff and people basically like ping me oh like what do you think or something or yeah or it's not even like what do you think but just like dude i just read the news like it sucks to hear no 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 and i'd be like what oh oh and then that's when i was like oh they're talking about like asian crime and they're talking to me because oh i'm the only asian person on the team yeah so i would say yeah i guess like professionally it's just not a not a big deal to me yeah. You know, so they talk about this because I know there are situations when I never, I don't really feel being a woman is disadvantageous. Yeah. And usually those are situations either like a, I've excelled in, in the past. So I've like kind of not identified with the, like for ma- like math is a good example for me. Yeah. Like I don't feel less than men because in the past I have not been. And so in the future, I don't think I will be. Right. And that just helps me like not have that feeling anymore, but like being a leader, I think is one where I have not always seen that like people who look like me are leaders. And so those are scenarios where I feel at threat. Um, so that might be like the situation that you're navigating. But I, so the this took me like another layer past this is like, how would we make change then? When we have these like two white male directors and in those situations, like I feel really small in those meetings. I fully like I didn't think I was performing my best. I was very anxious in those situations. And I was like, didn't know how to speak up. And I felt, I fell into the mode of execution, executing and not like thought leadership, which I thought I could provide. And I have provided on other spaces, but not in that one. 
So then I was like, how could I actually change? And I said, okay, what if I did like, what if I scheduled a one-on-one with one of these people? And I said, Hey, like, this is something I'm experiencing. Like I am a woman of color in this like largely white dominated space, uh, largely male dominated space and positions of leadership. And I've seen like across the board leaders look are men and I'm feeling really small and I don't think I can perform. And then I was like, this feels weird. Like, what if they say like, there's two routes. I mean, there's many routes that you could go, but what I thought of was one, they say, yeah, yeah, we hear you. Our hiring profile is now changing to be more women oriented and POC. And like, we know this is a problem. We're trying to address it. That doesn't make me feel better. That's not making me feel better about what's yeah. currently happening. And the other scenario is like a really great scenario of them being like, oh yeah, like I validate how you're feeling. Like I, I totally hear and see that this is what you're experiencing. Like, what can we do together to make this feel a little bit more safe? And I realized like them just saying that, like if a white man in power just said that to me, suddenly I feel like, oh, you're listening to what I have to say. And I think that would be enough, at least for the short term for me to be like, okay, I can start performing again. And I can start elevating myself to a situation where like, I'm, I don't think I have to be meek and docile, like Indian woman might be in tech. Like sometimes I, I feel like that might be a stereotype that I'd be fulfilling. So, but it felt so intimidating. Cause I, I was like, is this valid? Like, I don't even know how to talk about this. Like, Hey, white man in power, like what you represent is making me feel disenfranchised. And like, I can't even imagine what folks like through BLM and all of the context around that constantly had to have these conversations But I can like, I feel like I can resonate a little bit with the feeling of like, how do I talk about this thing that like is not an actionable thing today? I don't know. It felt so ambiguous. And then I was like, is it really a big deal because BLM is happening because all these things are happening? Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts. Um, I wonder how much of this is like shared Mm -hmm. perspectives versus just like personal and individual preference. Because a lot of when you were talking like if we just swap you for me, and I'm in that situation. Yeah. There's very like, and, and just to describe the situation, it's like me in a work meeting with two white men of power. And I, I feel uncomfortable or I feel out of place or I feel like, uh, they know more than me and I'm not going to speak as much, even though I'm a natural extrovert. There's like no conversation that I can have with them on the side that would make me feel better. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, there's nothing that I can ask them to do either to make mm-hmm. me feel better. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like, it's not their fault, but we're in this situation. I'm the one that feels the way I feel. Yeah. Would I feel less this way if there were like more Asian men in the room? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. To me, it's actually just, it solely comes down to like, how well do I know you or how well do I trust you? Yeah. Okay. This is a good difference because I think if you were to ask me if they were women, I think I would feel more comfortable. If there were women of color, I'd feel a lot more comfortable. Even if you didn't know them. Even if I, like, I don't care if I don't know you. If you are a woman of color, like, suddenly I feel much more comfortable and I feel like I can be more myself and I feel like there's assumed trust and capability. But it's a good point you bring up because, so I was actually talking to Biddy about this and he was telling me about this book called Emergent Strategies. 
it's like this new, I mean, I don't think it's new, but two people last week told me about it. And it's basically like how you make systemic change. And the idea is you have like simple one-on-one interactions that could then inform like larger systemic change. That's like the ideal state. Obviously it can be very hard and frustrating and kind of annoying to be the one who's like, this is a problem I'm experiencing. And now I have to articulate to you in a clear way as to why the systemic issue is affecting me. And then you're like putting all of this vulnerability for them to be like, what? Or them to be like, oh, I validate how you're feeling. but his, I, he was saying the model, like for this very, very specific example, it would be like me scheduling a meeting one-on-one with this leader and bringing this up and saying how I feel versus, you know, normally these conversations would come around, if even in like our squad meeting, like 20 of us in a room, someone might be like, leader might be like, okay, anything else people are thinking about? Like, you know, and no way am I going to be like, yeah, I'm thinking a lot about how every one of you is white and a man up there. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been thinking about that. Like, And because like more strategically and tactically, right. They're just going to be like, how do I answer this? Like, how do I answer this? Not how do I make sure this person feels heard and seen? And how do I make sure other people like her feel heard and seen? And so the idea is like, you have these one-on-one simple interactions. If other people feel similarly to me, I would talk to them. They could talk to other people. Then when we come to this like town hall kind of situation, squad meeting, it's like, oh, I've already talked to you about this. Like, these two other people have talked to you about this and maybe you've already like thought about a way to say this other than like our hiring strategy is changing. Like that's some BS dude. Like let's what's going to happen today. Um, But granted, you know, there's the simple interaction. Like, for example, if you, if I felt this way with you, I don't feel this way with you, but if I did feel this way with you and you had responded with like, you know, like, I don't really get this. Like, I don't really feel, yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Like, um, you gotta be a team player, some bullshit, you know, like whatever they'll say that could be like really shattering. Like it would just be like, I guess I can't even talk about these things. They're not real issues anymore in the scenario that you are like in work with me and I have to talk to you about it in a workspace. But the, what I'm trying to bring up is like these simple interactions can have a lot of weight when you try it for the first time. And then they're like, what like no I'm not gonna bring this up or I'll bring it up to leadership nothing happens like then you're like I did my part but nothing's happening like it's very complicated but the ideal state is you could do these like one-on-ones and then have it be bigger it's just hard because I could see a world where let's say you felt this way with me we didn't really know each other and yeah yeah I respond with hey look you know it's it's not a big deal um you know I'm sure like we're all understanding. Um, That's not my intention. We welcome your opinion. Yeah. You know, it's it's really not a big deal. Don't worry. Yeah. 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 Right. Like that's kind of what you just said, but almost like framed in a way where it's like, I was coming to you with good intentions. I just didn't know what to say because this whole conversation is just new to the world. Yes. Yes. And even in that case where I can have like the best of intentions, but yeah. I'm just like stumbling with my words. Don't know how to say it. It suddenly is like, wall is up. I'm not. Exactly. Like Dion yeah. is not someone I can talk to you about. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, that's, you, you mentioned how, let's say you're like in a meeting and you bring this up and you're just like, yeah, I, I feel where they get all white men. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned how like, they're so concerned about like what to say. I think yeah. that's so valid though, because yeah. even if they're the best intended people, it's just like instant this is the sensitive yeah. topic of our time. Yep. 
whatever I say right now is going to like shape. Yeah. What they perception of this team. Yeah. Yeah. And then well, I'm going to so, open my yeah. mouth. Like, uh... I don't know. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's what I'll say to that. I'm not sure if like I'm doing this us versus them thing. We've talked about this a lot. Like I am the people, they are the leadership, you know? And like they, for me in that situation, it's like being able to respond to these things, not in exactly the right way, but like in an empathetic way is why you are currently a director or senior director. But that's not true. Like, I actually don't think that's how businesses work, right? Like I am falsely conflating this idea of like, you're a leader because you can lead people, you can influence people and you can like have them be heard. Yeah. That's my standard of what a leader is supposed to be. And so so then I'll say, if you can't answer this question, why are you there? Like, why are you put in charge of leading 40, 50 people? If yeah. you can't, obviously there's like a very, very hard question. I agree. Like it is really difficult. It's newer. These white men may not have had any similar lived experiences, which makes me feel so distant from them. And when I'm trying to get you to understand the lived experience, then to like and it's really hard. I don't I'm like I don't know to your, I don't know what the right answer would be in a group setting but I know what the wrong answer would be. Like, I know it would, they would say something like we're trying to hire to that profile and that's just not satisfying. But like, I not like defending them or anything. But no, no, argument, do it. Yeah. My argument to that would be like, at least for me. Yeah. There's just nothing they could say. I see. And whether that is, uh, uh, like whether the situation is because of their fault or not, you know, like yeah. if it's like a, a lead who um, made these decisions, these hiring decisions and all these things like that. Okay. Yeah. That's their fault. But if it's someone that's like, I just joined, I'm in a leadership position. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I'm super, whatever, like it's just, there would just be nothing they could do. And, and the other thing is, and I forgot to mention this, but I don't know if I would ever bring it up either. In like, one-on-one or in group or ever. 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 Yeah. I hear that. If, yeah. if I wasn't a leader. Correct. And that is because that. I'm like super empathetic. Yeah. And so if someone feels awkward, I feel awkward. Uh, yeah. I know. I hear that too. Yeah. So it's basically like. Catch 22. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's really hard. The, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what I would want to hear from them that would make me feel better about the situation. Could they say anything that would make me feel better? I'm not sure. But I think my personality would be inclined to try. And I think I would like I, I also think I am very empathetic but in this situation I think I'd be like let's build some empathy together here like let's have you understand my lived experience and me also understand your lived experience to make this a little bit more like yeah maybe that would make me feel closer to them or maybe maybe it'll make me feel like I can trust this situation more that like the stereotype I feel like I'm defining or fulfilling is not actually true anymore right i don't know it's so much hypothetical right like when push comes to shove like i don't know what i would actually do i'm not sure if i would actually say anything or yeah it's so i just hard. know like how dissatisfying is it to gen then just hear yep we're trying to work on hiring someone in that profile and you're like yeah or they could be like yeah we have we hear that we'll bring it up to 
people and culture and you're like no like this permeates all levels you know yeah the the other thing for me is also like I think long term it's yeah like diversity in the workplace and I'm icing my back in case you're wondering what I'm oh doing. no worries yeah um, uh, I think like revising hiring practices is probably the way to go like for a yeah. long-term fix but it's like let's I mean let's just take my example let's say we hire like 50 Asian men yeah yeah am I really gonna feel like ooh, like uh, no I'll, I'll take it a step further let's say we hire like three Asian men in senior leadership positions that I interact with frequently correct Am I going to feel more empowered in the workplace? But actually, like it does, from what you've said in the past, it does sound like this identity doesn't feel threatened in the workplace for you. Is that true? Correct. That is, that's yeah. Also, yeah. So, what is, so, what, yeah, what's a good example for you? Like, for me, it would be if someone hired three like brown women or POC women, I'd be like, oh, yeah, this makes me feel better that I interact with. But, what would what do you think yours would be if not in the workplace then just like in life things that you're yeah like, I guess it would just have to be socially because that's when it really yeah play. yeah 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 uh, okay actually you know a good, actually I think I know a good example of this yeah I, I say like professionally I don't feel weird mm-hmm. but one time I did go to Omaha Omaha Nebraska mm-hmm. and you like walk out of the gate in the airport. And you look around and you almost feel like everyone's looking at you. Yeah. Because you're the only Asian person for like 50 miles. And I felt super, I felt super weird. Mm -hmm. I think in that instance, and like I I show up at the work meeting and everyone's white. I think in that instance, if like another senior person of my client walks in the room and is an Asian. Yeah. I'd be like, I'd feel more comfortable. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. I mean, it I brings about this, it's hard because it's like, uh, sometimes I just think about it like, oh, at my company, I want to like change this thing. Mm-hmm. But it really is like all everywhere needs to change this. Like mm-hmm. everywhere needs to be more accepting and like, oh, okay. This is another thing I learned about. So right now this author, Octavia Butler, she's the one who like inspired this emergent strategies book, if I'm I'm remembering correctly. And she has this concept of something called imaginations, which is basically like the collective consciousness of a people. So like for America, imaginations of success looks like a white man who was like built his own American dream and like has a ton of money after, you know, like working hard. Um, And growing up in this society that's what i think success looks like too like by the books that's what a successful person looks like largely in ceos like that's what a successful person looks like and she said in order to change long term like ideally it would be the all of the imaginations like for me to say like a brown woman working hard and getting her way to like a ceo level if that's something i was interested in is also a level of success and that my like white peers thinks that too right now it's like I think it's a white man and so does my white peer. So then our levels of our success doesn't like match what I actually Mm. am. So ideally it's like 
a East Asian man and a like South Asian woman, like all these things are collectively, everybody thinks that's what success looks like. So then all of us can be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like promote her or yeah, that makes sense. She can be in a power uh, leadership position because that's what we all think success looks like. It doesn't look in one way, which is like super long-term and very ambiguous, but I thought that was a really nice way to frame it of like, everybody should be thinking that we can all be leaders. It's not just like me thinking a Brown woman can be a leader. It's not right. just the brown people thinking the brown people can be leaders. It's like all of us think that every one of them yeah. can be leaders, which I think was very powerful because I also don't yeah. think I've ever really articulated that. Like I totally just think like success looks like a white man making his way to the top because that's what I see. Like that's just what I that's see. That's almost like the final frontier. Yes. Is getting right now, it's almost like what we're doing is we're creating the opportunity for diversity yeah then the next step is like the diversity needs to be filled yeah and then not just with randos but people that are like actually good leaders yeah but then the final thing is to what you said for then like a white baby growing up yeah watching tv tv shows movies going to the workforce and just having it be not even a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what we're essentially talking about is like ending racism. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, but it's like, yeah. Yeah. Just the thought of like, yeah, all you need to do is for any person of color or a white person to be in a leadership position for that to be normal. Yeah. And for news articles to no longer have to say first, yeah, blank American. Yeah. to do blank yeah um yeah yeah let's hope for that do you think that what do you think okay this is a huge blanket a huge question but what do you think are currently the downfalls of I would just call the middle management let's be real like the people the leaders that we interact with are just like director level it's not hugely like c-suite or anything like that what do you think is the downfall of their leadership styles uh it's hard to say without like pinpointing individuals but i'd say yeah. the number one issue no matter what of leadership is that they're just so far away yeah they're the vast majority of the people they will impact or influence rather are frontline, whether you're a data analyst, whether you're a manager of an account, whether you're like actually on the front lines, like a healthcare worker or a call center mm-hmm. employee. Those are like quantity wise, the most people you have in any organization. Mm-hmm. But just due to how leadership is structured, you just become so even if you started from the bottom, bottom yeah by the time you get there you're so removed the product or processes or the culture of your clientele like everything's changed so much that you just don't know you don't truly know enough about it that like how are you making these decisions yeah you're just getting sourced from another middle management is getting it sourced from you know it's like a chain yeah and so i think that's generally like the downfall of leadership yeah is it it no matter if you're a great leader or not like that's going to happen 
and I don't know. I don't know how you can. Yeah, I mean, it is a good point that even great leaders will have their title next to their name, which just that is enough to make it distanced from someone, right? Like, even if they're so empathetic, it takes a while to know that they're really empathetic and that they're kind and you can like trust them with information. But before that, in order to make the choice to trust them with information, all you know is that they're a director or whatever they are. And that's enough to be like, nah, I'm not really gonna be sitting at your table. (laughs) I'm not really gonna be just like complaining about the things that are difficult because you can influence some part of my career or you could talk to someone who influences part of my career. I think, um, I don't know if you like ever see those random videos. I guess I'll just say that one in particular recently, like some woman was like in Bulgaria okay, and was like on vacation. And all of a sudden there was like a crowd of people and a lot of like paparazzi snapping pictures of like this one guy who was just like dressed in plain clothes. And so this lady who's basically a tourist like goes up to him and like takes a selfie and says, hey, can you take a selfie with me? And then ask someone to take a picture. And he's like, yeah, sure. And they take the selfie and they're like walking along and people are still snapping pictures. And then she just was just like, so what's the deal? You know, like one of those things where it's just like, I'm just taking a picture with you because everyone's taking a picture with you. Yeah. And she like behaves so like casually and friendly and normal she's yeah. like what's the deal like who are you yeah, yeah. uh you're you gotta be someone famous and he's like no no i'm a no one he's like and she's like no like who are you really like everyone's taking pictures of you and he's like oh i'm the president and he's she was like what of, what do you mean she's like i'm the like <gasps> i'm the president of this country oh my god and all of a sudden she's just like oh my god like her whole demeanor changes right so it's kind of like that where you said how the CEO or whoever is always going to have their title next to the name. Yeah. Like that in itself completely changes the way you interact with them. Like yeah. what if you worked for a large company and you had no idea what the CEO looked like. Yeah. And you're eating lunch in like the cafeteria or whatever. And he or she comes down and says, like, Hey, do my advice next to you. And you're, yeah, sure. You'd probably interact with them as if they were like, another yeah. employee you like, oh so what department are you in oh and he'd be like oh i'm in operations or whatever you know it's like oh that's so and you would just chat and then the moment he or she yeah. says like oh i'm also the ceo like you sit yes. up you get yeah. tight and then like you think about what words am i using like should yeah. i say um should i yeah. you know so yeah but so I totally agree. That's what happens because I think we erroneously conflate like all of these attributes to that title. Um, right. For me, right? Like when I think of someone as a leader, I'm like, oh, they're probably way smarter than me. They probably have way more experience than me. They're probably like way better at influencing people than I am. Right. Maybe that's true. Hopefully that's true. But many times it's not true. And then I just changed completely how I'm interacting with them to make them feel like they're better than me. Right. And then they could be like, oh, everybody's treating me so well. Like everybody loves me. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like it just, it's the cycle continues. Then they're like, oh yes, I am. Like, I do deserve having $10 billion. Like I do deserve all these things Yeah, because everybody's treating me this way, but everybody's treating me this way because they think that that's what I'm like. And it's just like this weird hollow cycle. This is, this is actually something that, um, that kind of bugs me. Yeah. Is, and I mean, we don't have to get into 
explicit details, but like we'd have lines for lunch. Yeah. And oftentimes like the lines can get long around lunchtime. And if you're like an executive leader or whatever, you have meetings all the time and you have lunch meetings all the time. And oftentimes you'd see like an EA come through. Executive assistant. And an executive assistant would come through and just be like, oh, sorry, I'm like grabbing food for yeah. CXO, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I would always, I would always think to myself, like if I was a CEO, I would never do that. Nor would I ever, like, I would actually, and if I had an EA, which I probably would because I'm so busy, I would tell the EA to never do that. Yeah. Because, like, what that's implicitly saying is whether they're starving or not, yeah, their priorities, their time, whatever it is, is more important than yours. And I would hate that. Every time yeah. it would happen, like, do you mind? Like, they would ask, oh, sorry, do you mind? It's for so-and-so. And every time in my head, I'd be like, Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm freaking human. hungry too, dude. Yeah. I had back to backs all morning. Like, yeah. who freaking cares? Get the, you know, yeah. like. Well, this is such a good point. It also shows up in like smaller scenarios of many times, like leadership folks at whatever level will be more late to the meeting than their like less leader oh. position, right? Oh. Like an analyst meeting with a manager. Manager will probably always feel entitled to come like two to three minutes late. Analyst is there exactly at 10 a.m. Our meeting at 10 a.m. I'm there at 10 a.m. And it bleeds all the way up, right? And that's like such a good example of like, you think your time is more valuable than me. Is it? Like that feels really unfair to just say that, right? Like, especially if we're going to say salary does not equal your value, then it's like such, I mean, and also I I fully have done it in the past. Like, oh, I'm just running late on a meeting. This meeting is quote unquote more important than this meeting with someone else. Like, and I've come late and felt okay about it because I was at whatever level or doing whatever before. But I think that's like such a good example of it happening in smaller levels where we would be like culprit of it, right? We would be doing something like that and say like, yeah, actually my time is a little bit more important. No, it's not. Everyone's just telling you that. Like everybody's, I don't, yeah, I, it happens all the time, I think. I kind of hope you become, I want to hold you accountable to all these things that you say you want to do as a leader. <laughs> well, excuse me. Yeah, I got a lunch meeting. I'm the EA for Dion Wu, yeah. the CEO. He has commanded me to cut in front of everyone. Also, he's like paleo right now. So, you know, you just. Dude, I'm not, man. I'm oh, keto, keto. Sorry. I'm no, not I know you're not. Either. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I, no. I hope that you get to be in a position where you have to practice all these things because <laughs> we're talking a big talk right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're a CEO out there, <laughs> let us know. Hey, you never know. Honestly, let us interview. Actually, you. technically, I am a CEO of uh, ATM Simplified. AMD, dude. Yo, real talk. I uh, I made twenty four bucks. No. Yeah. How? Just through AdSense. Yeah. What is it called? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. I mean, which is like peanuts for everyone out there, but like I haven't touched a website. I still get emails, dude, from people. Yeah. And I'm like, I just don't want to spend the time to fix it. Wow. Oh, they're like, this is wrong. Yeah. But I'm getting frequent visitor. That's crazy. It's now like a fully profitable venture because like you're not putting anything in. Well, yeah, but also like it's, it's paying for it. 
because it's like 12 bucks for everything oh what's the domain 12 domain right? servers whatever whatever let's go baby yeah passive income passive income streams let's go baby okay i'll talk to you later <laughs> bye bye <laughs> if you liked what you heard send us an email at inlifepodcast at gmail.com for a question you'd like us to discuss thanks for listening